Welcome to You Belong. I'm your host, author D. Michelle, encouraging you to remove that label, that title, that position, or even that social media status and focus on your kingdom status by knowing you belong to God first. And when God is first, that's when you can fit in even when you don't because you know you belong. Welcome to You Belong. I'm your host, author D. Michelle Thompson, and I say it almost every time I record, but today, today especially, special guest, guys, special guest alert. I have none other than my brother, uh, Mr. John McCarthy. He is a serial entrepreneur. I think we're neck and neck, but I actually think he surpassed me. He wins. He is the author of the book, The Purpose Promise. He is also a thought leader in working with C-suite executives as well as those in the HR community. So when we've been talking about racially awakening the workplace, I thought none other but my partner in crime here on this mission, John McCarthy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, D. Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited to share with the audience what we've been doing and just kicked off even in courageous conversations. But first, I want to take a step back and share on the first two episodes of this Racially Awakening the Workplace. I've, I've really been interviewing people in the minority or as social, sociologists might call it, those who are considered in the out group. But today I thought it would be different to really hear things through a different perspective and lens by someone who a sociologist might coin in group. But as you know, here on the You Belong podcast, we say, take out that label, that title, whatever people are giving you realize that we all belong because we all belong to Christ Jesus. And that's rooted in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So John's going to help us bring that home today. So John, I'm going to start with, tell me about a time you felt you didn't belong. Yeah, thanks, Steve Michelle. Well, I think, you know, my passion for this topic, and thank you for having me here today uh, to talk about it, was rooted in my uh, story around when I felt I didn't belong. And as a white male, those were few and far between in my, uh, my younger life, but they started when I uh, started to travel internationally. And I learned pretty quickly that I learned the most from people that are not like me. And I also learned what it looks like to be the minority in a situation. And so especially when I was in China and India for extended amount of time, um, I was, uh, you know, you couldn't walk down the street without being looked at differently. And uh, pretty much all the time, I felt like I didn't belong. I was not at home there and I was looked at differently. So it, it encouraged me to uh, embrace the realities of um, my experience here being in the inn, as you said, in, in America and making sure that I was reaching out uh, with the hands and, and, and the feet and being loving as Jesus would to those that uh, experienced um, that, that, that feeling of not belonging. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I know some people are listening and like, wait a minute, it took him leaving the country or just tell me, walk with us through like maybe one of those experiences that help you really awaken that. Wow, this, this doesn't feel great. Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, it awoke 
my passion for this conversation when I uh, was out of the country, when I was experiencing that, but then when I brought it back to my every day is when I started to grow and learn about the realities that perpetuate our society. And uh, one particular instance was I, a dear friend, Chuck Futel, um, he and I were uh, going to lunch on Friday and I told Chuck before uh, we went to lunch, I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to play tennis right after we eat lunch and it's Friday, so I'm always casual. So please join me if you feel comfortable in, in meeting casually. And he said, okay. Well, when, when Chuck showed up, he showed up in a three-piece suit at, at uh, this restaurant. And I said, Chuck, you didn't embrace the casual Friday philosophy. And he said, I don't think you understand. If I looked like you did driving in this neighborhood, I would have gotten pulled over. And it rocked my world to understand that reality. And that put me on a, a journey to learn and grow from people who had that experience that I did not share. And um, then soon thereafter, um, in our company, uh, I hired our first um, African-American employee, his small company, and he and I are dear friends and we hold each other accountable and we learn so much because we have trust and we have the same core belief in Jesus. And, uh, and that has been catalytic in, in my understanding of what uh, this conversation looks like. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like relationship is what I hear. And I, I continue to say that on this podcast a lot. Relationship is the key. And for your journey and even awakening to this, it was relationship that brought you there. So uh, I think ultimately it's our relationship with Jesus that really wants us to grow in this space and be, become even more aware of how we're treating one another, whether it's the color of our skin, our thought belief, or the different labels or titles we put on ourselves. Um, one thing I'm really encouraged by in working with John, uh, recently we serve on a nonprofit executive team together at Work on Purpose. And we were able to share both of our hearts from a different lens for what's going on in this world. And through our conversations came up with this kind of challenge for leaders um, called Courageous Conversations. So John and I have been on this journey not long, but already we're just seeing some breakthroughs on both his side and my side. So as we talk about how that can transform the culture at work, can you speak to your journey a little bit on that, as well as how you think it could impact other workplaces? Absolutely. So what, uh, how this came about between you and I, Dean Michelle, is I think you saw the, gen the genuine suffering that I was feeling um, recently with the racial injustices uh, coming back uh, and, being, and being highlighted again. And uh, I remember uh, the, the very similar feelings that I felt when Sam DeBose was murdered here in Cincinnati a, a few years ago. And it, it made me cry out to God, why are we back here with the same things? Why are these injustices not changing? And um, it convicted us to have these conversations that are very courageous and very difficult. Um, to get to know each other on a deeper level, on a God level, right? And um, they've been, this, this, this has been so profound for me as I've learned more about, uh, if I'm honest, how to retreat and repent 
and understand where there still is implicit bias in my heart. Um, where as a businessman, I am um, not being bold to curb the systems that, um, that perpetuate these injustices. And uh, as you and I have shared these times in the Lord and in, around these difficult conversations, it's really been a season of um, understanding my own self and my human realities, even though this has been a journey for me to understand what it looks like uh, to be a white male and be catalytic in this conversation, there's still continually more that's popping up along my journey. So it's been really profound. And that learning has uh, convicted me to walk with other white males uh, specifically. It, it's, it's been hard to see good Christian white brothers that um, – don't want to have these conversations and mostly because um, they say I'm not a racist and, uh, and that's not really uh, going to do it anymore for me. I'm going to be bolder into those conversations and, and with grace to understand their suffering around this. But I think I'm learning and, and growing in the right components of grace and truth that Jesus taught us. Grace for everyone, because they're all made in, in God's image, but courage to speak truth. And that's been really, really powerful in this season. And much thanks to you. Oh, and, and the Holy Spirit, actually, he's doing his job. And, and what I would like to say in, first is in turn, we, we just had a webinar and there were literal tears in some people's eyes after hearing John actually share the full testimony and just just some awareness and things but one thing I want to encourage for those of us on the other perspective that may be considered by the world in the out group that just as much as it took transparency and grace and the courage to speak truth there takes that humble self-reflection of your own heart as well to even receive that and even to look at our community as one community and being able to say, you know what, I can't hold the offenses of other white male leaders in corporate America against John. Mm. And not saying we do it overtly, but there are some behaviors and things that we've started to do based on past experiences, right or wrong. Mm. But being able to get to this place to be your authentic true self in the workplace and be received in love and be able to give love in the grace card. There's one thing that's been so powerful in this conversation, because it's an ongoing conversation with John and I, is not just his ability to humbly confess and say, hey, I've been a part of this either actively or passively, but also got to do a work on my heart to say, you know what? I can't see him through the lens of other people anymore. And for me to even be able to be courageous to speak up when I see other people doing it, just like John is speaking up and holding up his insight and his learning when he's in the workplace. I got to hold up my end of the bargain too here. And when I'm in the workplace and seeing things from a different lens as well, that I'm speaking up. 
And there's three things that I was led to do in this webinar, and I'll share it here today in these courageous conversations. What I see is happening between John and I is first, we are seeking up. We're praying even before we have the conversation. We're asking the Holy Spirit to make us more sensitive, whether we're at work, where we're having our conversations. So what am I hearing that's not really showing loving my neighbor as myself? Or what am I hearing that's really going to grieve the Holy Spirit? And then even what am I hearing in my own thoughts? Not just what I'm hearing from the people who are around me, but what's in my mind? What are these triggers? And then being able to study up. And that's studying the word of God, first and foremost, what's true. Because we're supposed to meditate on what thoughts that are lovely, that are pure, that are honest, that are of a good report, that are true. And then we can look at articles and news and all that stuff. But we're looking through the lens of love and not from what thus saith the world. And that's a part of belonging to Christ first and not the world. And then third is being able to speak up. The one thing that's really grabbed my heart in this season is seeing how much people are speaking up, but not speaking up from the place of love or not speaking up with Christ being first. And so at You Belong, I wanted to make sure as much as I have, I love the thought leaders that we bring on and stuff, but I want to make sure our audience always knows when we're speaking up, it's not from a place of because of this race is better than that race or this. We're speaking up because God has created, has allowed all these situations to arise for such a time as this for us to speak up and be bold about our faith and about what the answer is, not what the problem is, but what is the solution? And the solution is the love of Christ. God's word tells us that, right? That all things are possible with God, that greater man, <laughs> no love than this, that one would lay down his own life. What would Jesus be doing right now? He'd be speaking up. He'd be saying something. So we should too. And especially those of us who are in these places of position, of titles, in the workplace. So John, give us some ideas how we do that. Well, it's, yeah, it's a good word. I mean, you know, the um, propensity for myself and for most leaders in the marketplace, when we face an issue that's so large and so deeply rooted like this is to do, right? Well, okay, what should we do? And I think what you just alluded to that I, uh, I am learning <laughs> slowly is that God doesn't actually um, create us to be doobies. We are created to be be-dos and to seek his will before we go off and enact another initiative. And this is uh, really present with a lot of well-intended leaders around um, this racial injustice piece. And as I sat with the Lord and sat with the word, I mean, I was blown away at how the Holy Spirit led me to new revelation around his word and loving everyone regardless. And that doesn't mean rejecting history. It doesn't mean being colorblind. It means getting in the trenches with people like Jesus did understanding the in and the out group, the, the reality of the time we live in, and leading well in a space that is going to be catalytic, in my opinion, for history. And so uh, first and foremost, as marketplace leaders, we have a muscle memory to do. And my encouragement, our encouragement is to be first. 
I like that. I like that. You threw me off for a second, brother, when you said doobie. I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the seven. We're not talking about doobie, but I like that D <laughs> and then do. And, and it's funny because in You Belong, not shameless plug here, but what I do a lot when I, I've written most of the book, 80% of the book is written called You Belong, a marketplace devotional for leaders. And the first probably seven or eight chapters is all about B because you're right. God wants us to sit with him and just be, be love, learn what it looks like to even love <laughs> from his perspective, be, be his loved, be, be with him. And then you're able to do, but if you're trying to just go out and do it and it's not, it's from a mindset, it's from a, we have a diversity and inclusion statement that says we must do and not from the heart that, wow, we have to be this every day, not just what's written mm -hmm. in our statement at work. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, what are some of the call to actions you would have for people or kind of some do once you get done being what, what are some do's that you, you believe are must do's in this season of racially awakening the workplace? Well, I'm going to, before I answer that, I'm going to take you to one more being exercise because it's been really, really powerful for me. And that is, uh, I just believe right now amidst the combination of what we're talking about and the racial injustices in the world that breaks our hearts and the awkward season of coronavirus and the fear that perpetuates that people in general and individually are suffering. And the body needs to be the comforter. We know who the great comforter is, the Holy Spirit, but that we just have such a great opportunity. So back on the plug for being before doing in 2 Corinthians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies, who is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction. And the reason I bring this up is because I found myself over the last few weeks exhausted. And once I pulled back and said, God, am I making space for you to comfort my suffering around this? That was the only way that I could actually be a good comforter to others is receive the comfort of my suffering in this place from God receive, which is not a strength of mine, before I can give. And so again, for marketplace leaders, I think that's a really important posture to take in seasons of extra work, in seasons of extra conviction, is, is resting in his comfort to comfort others. Rest, rest. It's so easy for us, especially in the workplace, to get into that doing and to go off and try to meet that stretch goal and to check a box and do that. But to remind Ed that we can't do anything apart from God, we can do nothing, that we first have to be what it is that we didn't want to give out to others. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Any last words of encouragement to other people who are listening and may feel kind of awkward, so to speak, trying to have this conversation, especially with someone of the opposite race, be it in the work or at home? Well, I think we have a model in what a movement looks like starting in Acts 2, of course, fueled by, by, the, by the Holy Spirit. 
but then the growth and really the way that Jesus started the movement, right, is by finding the key trusted relationships and by building into them, not just one day, but continually, you know, so Dean Michelle and I were having a conversation around how the movement of these courageous conversations could really grow. And, you know, it is about the quantity eventually, but it's about the quality of the trusted relationships so we can get deep and build up disciples of this movement, right? So my encouragement is not to feel like you need to, um, you know, reach out to the masses. You, you may feel compelled to do that and that's fine. But for me, in my heart, it's about who are those few people that I can get deep in the trenches with and learn from and grow from, and we can grow a greater understanding of how to have courageous, color-conscious conversations at work. And Dean Michelle and I, we share this conviction. The marketplace has a huge opportunity to glorify the Lord, to bring heaven to the marketplace, I believe is a conviction of this time of Jesus. And I'm excited for the ecclesia to grow through these courageous conversations because it just takes one or two and then they grow and grow just like Acts 2 early church did out of the marketplace. So if you're a business leader out there, really think about who are those trusted partners that you could have growth in this conversation, courageous, honest, vulnerable, authentic uh, conversations that could really spark the change in, in their hearts and your hearts that could grow organically. That's a great encouragement and a call to action there for leaders. I just want to encourage people to just to see what else John is working on because he's doing a lot of great work. Um, like I said earlier, he's a serial entrepreneur. How about you share a little bit more about the purpose promise and your work there? Oh, thanks, Dean Michelle. Yeah, this is a, a major passion for us right now. We've realized through our work in the HR realm that uh, people just don't like work in general. And so anything we can do to disciple somebody from a place of feeling disengaged and not enjoying work to a place of understanding their purpose and then into purposeful employment can be an amazing catalyst for life transformation. So that's what the Purpose Promise is all about. It's a book and a workbook and really a community of people that are on fire for this big word purpose and how we can live an integrated life with our faith and with our family and all the aspects of who we are at work. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing. Yeah, I, I'm excited. It's definitely right in the you belong family there, talking purpose and integrating all parts of your life. How can people reach out to you and learn more information about Purpose Promise and what else you're doing? Yeah, thank you. Uh, PurposePromise.org, very simply, is a good entry point to uh, hear more about what we're up to. Thank you for coming on, John. I hope we can come back and share more what's going on with our Courageous Conversations. Thank you, D. Michelle. And that's all we have time for on today's episode of You Belong. As always, I'm your host, author D. Michelle, inviting you to reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at author D. Michelle, and that's Michelle with two L's. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter at Know You Belong, and that's K N O W Y O U B E. L-O-N-G. And remember, you belong.